Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text hope NY in New York. So what we're going to do on the BWI daily edition is I'm going to, th- I'm going to throw the intro. I'm going to be doing all of those things, but basically Nate and I are just going to pick up the conversation we were having before the camera started rolling. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. We're talking Penn state and Northwestern. The Nittany lines got a sloppy, ugly throwback win. 17, seven. We are breaking everything down from the game. Now that we have had over Two days, I guess, at this point to digest all of it and to come to our conclusions. That's coming up on the BWI Daily Edition. Did you catch the fear in my eyes, Nate? Uh, that I did the math wrong on how many hours it had been of like, it's been 48 hours. Has it been 48 yeah, I, hours? I, I don't know. <laughs> I can't. I can't do that. That's way it's way above my pay grade, and you're doing it on camera. So the fact that we were just digging into off camera Penn State's running game and all of the ins and outs of that, and then you so quickly, just on a dime, turned it into, "Hey Nate, we gotta go. Let's go." <laughs> I have I have few skills. One of them is uh, uh, see, I'm a constant procrastinator, so working on a hard deadline. I've developed that skill over the years. So as long as I'm not in a pure panic mode, we're good to go. Anything is a transition, including my ADHD, which we're going to talk about in just a little bit, because we're going to talk about the Penn State Northwestern game and how we were, we were three seconds away from having going on air. And, you know, we're having a conversation about the game. So let's just pick up where we were. I, 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 we're going to start somewhere else in the in the in the whole plan thing we were going to do but you were saying off air it's not like Penn State didn't move the football right offensively we're starting with the offense it's not like they didn't move the football yeah I think I look like it I think that certainly uh the offense garners our attention usually more than other things right and so when you look at this game uh at least from my perception and I think that the perception of most fans who saw the game, it's, you know, this, ugh, ugh, like, oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so painful um, to, to watch, but I, I don't know that that's necessarily true. I, 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 yes, that's the, that's the instinct and that's the initial reaction, whether in person watching the game or certainly on TV in the moment. But yeah. my point to you and, and what I think I would say right now is 
Penn State could only, for either team, right? In those weather conditions, you could only do one thing with any degree of certainty, and that was to run the ball. And yeah. my major takeaway, my major takeaway is that Penn State, for the most part, did. Penn, yeah. for, the, for the most part, they were able to run the ball. Like, even with Northwestern knowing exactly what they were going to do, Penn State, for the most part... You make a great point, and you will make a great point. I don't want to steal your thunder. They didn't. They didn't hit home runs, but yeah. were they able to chew off four or five yards at a time? Yeah, yeah. The issue being, they kept turning it over. I had to push back. I was going to push back on the they could reliably run the football. They could reliably set up a run play, but they had no idea whether the ball was going to stick with the team by the end of said run play. As opposed to, as opposed to Northwestern, who could not run the ball, right? Who was getting tackled behind the line of scrimmage by Penn State's yeah. defense. Yeah. Uh, it was a Penn State offense that was making positive gains more or less with a telegraphed intention of running yeah. the ball. They, they, that was, everybody in the stadium knew what was going to happen on the next play, but Penn State yeah. was still sort of able to do that anyway. So, uh, th oh, there's so many different places to start with this because get into you know, it. Go watching the film today, and and this this game film shaved years of my life off watching it because there was so much. Like it wasn't necessarily that it was good or that it was bad, and it wasn't even that there was a, like a lot of plays. They've run more than 78 plays. It was just so dense from the run game perspective. So, the plan coming in was a good one. And that's what I tried to highlight in my film study of, I thought they did a lot of really smart things of how they were breaking tendencies, going at the Northwestern schematic discipline, like their plan of how they play defense and trying to break it, trying to use those rules to break the defense. And they got a lot of good looks, but they didn't get what they wanted. Nick Singleton one-on-one -on -one with a safety and he runs through and or by that guy for 40 plus yards. He ripped off runs of 10, 10, 19, and then he went to the bench. So yeah. the plan never had a chance to really work. Now that can be your, that can be your critique of the plan that, well, your plan never worked, but that's the thing that you, you mentioned. Everyone knew they're going to run the football. Everyone knew that as the game got went on and, and conditions didn't get any better at any point in the first half, mm -hmm. you kind of shoot all those, you spend the clip, you know, you empty yep. the clip. And then yep, yep. in the third quarter, it's just like, okay, what plays worked? What are we going to adjust to? And when you run 51 or 58 run plays, eventually you're going to repeat yourself and you're just running plays. Like you're just yep. going to start running plays. So the grind of the third quarter was as much my, my opinion in the moment was they just want to get out of here, shorten the game. You yep. have the lead Northwestern can't come back. So let's shorten the game and get out of here. And that's how you get to that many runs with that level of effectiveness. Yeah. I, look, uh, I mean, I'm looking at the drive chart right now. Uh, in the second half, the first possession, 12 plays for 42 yards over six yep. minutes, 19 seconds until yeah. a fumble. Yep. Uh, right. It just, it just kept happening. I think that was the, the, the Kevon Lee fumble, I believe yep. was, that one in the third quarter because Catron Allen, who was uh, somewhat of a uh, bright spot, I thought for the uh, Penn state's offense and the running game in the second half, after very clearly he served some sort of suspension in the first half. Yeah. Uh, was able to come into the game and had some success, but even he was not unsusceptible in immune. Susceptible. Immune. Yeah. Great. Yeah. <laughs> great. Uh, live TV, um, <laughs> you know, from, from what was happening to everybody else, which was just put, putting the ball on the ground. I mean, I, I, yeah. I, I know what your comments were and I, and uh, certainly I understand where James Franklin was coming from after the game, talking about how it's not an excuse. The weather's the weather and you just got to play through it. And uh, I get it. I get all of that stuff, but yeah, you know, sometimes stuff happens and sometimes, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, it felt to me and I, I'll be actually be interested to get your opinion on this. It felt to me like the, the, the ones that happened on Saturday were a combination of yes, ball security issues, but also plays being made by Northwestern. Also yeah. the ball being slippery. 
Yeah, so Northwestern got a hat on the ball, right? And that's where James Franklin is talking about the weather isn't an excuse because you got to run behind your pads. You got to know that a team's going to come after you once they smell blood in the water, once they feel like they can get the ball out and the ball being slippery. So Northwestern made plays, right? So we, that's, a, that's a thing. Stephen Light here on the channel says, carrying that ball like a loaf of bread. I would crush the bread if I were carrying it like a football, but I get you. I get what you mean. It's very important. It's absolutely critical. Um, I hope that I just, I hope they're not doing the whole carrying a football around until uh, we don't need more Jahan Dotsons out there. Yeah, carrying yeah. football Everywhere they go. Yeah. But uh, that it is a combination of those factors. You're correct. And it's just, it's a fascinating place where we get to because, you know, way back wants us to talk about Sean Clifford right away. And we're yep. going to talk about Sean Clifford. There's no way yep. we can not talk about Sean Clifford. But the story of the game was fumbles. Yep. That plain and simple. And that's what David was saying earlier when we had his his uh, conversation up on the uh, on the message board here, uh, saying, you know, if it weren't for the fumbles, they would have scored 24 points in the game, and it wouldn't have felt as bad. You would take 24 points in a rainstorm, and I think that's pretty fair. In fact, we'll get to yeah. David's point here Penn State had success with screens and sweeps they went away in the second half why isn't Mike Yersich making it easier on Clifford with simpler reads quick throws into space for athletes to make plays that is uh, a loaded question believe it or not David I, I think you bring up a good point of just call a play call a play don't have it be an RPO don't don't have don't let there be an option on the play have it be designed quick screen to Parker Washington because there were a lot of throws that weren't made in this game because Clifford was choosing other things yep. on the play, whether it's the uh, read option and him not keeping the ball or not throwing the ball in the RPO. So there's, there's a little bit of Mike Yersich going into the game plan, dialing up deep plays a lot. Those are the ones that were called of straight passes. And then a lot of RPOs in there that they, that they couldn't hit on the deep, the deep passes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, they, they tried to give it a shot, but yeah, uh, just the connections were not there. Uh, you know, we're doing it again. We're doing it again, David. I appreciate it. And and part of this is that it's the most interesting thing, right? If it bleeds, it leads. And the Penn State offense is a wounded animal right now. But pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks. Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra. Just perfection and a straw coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I wanted to start this show talking about the defense. We're 10 minutes in. Because they have been flagrantly overlooked in this yep. entire situation. Yep. Before we do that, though. I need to tell everybody, it's the BWI Daily Edition. Appreciate you being here. It's the live Monday show. Nate Bauer and myself are going to be recapping the game. We're going to get through all the stuff, not just Sean Clifford in the run game. I think some big themes are starting to officially emerge for this team of not only identity, but storylines that Nate and I are going to follow throughout the season. Um, and we need your help. First off, there uh, are 25 likes on the video, and I got my my uh, like warriors in here with Mike and Joe Bot. Bef like an hour before the video was live, they're up here giving the video likes. So be like Joe Bot, be like Mike, and give the we've we've been telling you to be like Mike since the '90s. So just like the video, yep. super appreciated. Helps I'm gonna like it word. right now. Yeah, thank you, thank you. I once I'm done with my spiel, you need to have it done by then. The yep. second thing is subscribe to our YouTube channel. We are growing like a, we're up and up and up like a rocket ship, and it's not. It's a, it's a tastefully shaped rocket ship, so you don't have to be embarrassed by that. But we need you to help us out by uh, subscribing to Blue White Illustrated, telling your friends about Blue White Illustrated so we can grow our channel. Um, so now that I got that out of the way, let's talk about the defense. Yeah. What were your impressions about how they performed uh, in that game? Yeah, I, they're great. They're great. Look, uh, I, I don't know why this is. I, I just always end up in the middle, right? And so for all of the conversation that I'm going to have about the offense not being that bad, I'm going to have an offsetting conversation about the defense. Not that they're not that good. It's that the offenses that they've played, right? I, I cannot help but come away from that game and say, man, 
oh northwestern yeah man, you stink <laughs> you, just, you just bad uh pl- plays yeah. that were there to be made because i think i think again and you saw that on both sides of the ball so i don't, I don't want to be yeah. too harsh because certainly in the passing game there were catches that could have been made by both sides but i thought in particular northwestern had issues there with drops certainly but because they actually tried to throw the football because they did they did <laughs> and they, they had to, to they tried to throw the football I, I didn't think that the running game look penn state knew what to stop right that's that yep. was the one thing that northwestern uh you know with their running back sort of had maybe something going coming into the game that just yeah. never materialized once they actually got into it um but yeah i, I just it, it Will it be, can Penn State be as fast and aggressive and ferocious, instinctive as they are against Northwestern in future games? Can they do it against Michigan? Can they do it against Michigan? It was the question I was getting during the game from people. It's like, can we not have nice things, Nate? I I get what you're saying. Absolutely. 100% agree with what you're saying. I don't, but it's, it's amazing. Yeah, no, you, you, uh, I, I don't want to do that either. Don't take away. You can, you can only play the opponent that's in front of you. And so yep. the opponent that was in front of Penn State on Saturday was not very good at playing football. And Penn State maximized its opportunity defensively against that and did all it needed to do. Uh, you know, I, I did think yep. that there were a few lapses in the second half in particular, uh, third quarter, fourth quarter, early fourth quarter. You know, Northwestern had an opportunity to make that a seventeen to fourteen game. Yep. So, um, yep. You know, the fact that the fact that Northwestern and nobody's talking about it, nobody did talk about it. It felt like to me that they could have kicked a field goal there at the one yard line. They went for the touchdown. It wasn't it wasn't a do or die necessarily situation for for Northwestern, um, but certainly Penn State was opportunistic. That was the word. That yeah. just rang true to me throughout the game is Penn State's defense. Whenever, whenever Penn State, the the team needed a boost, the defense was there and just yeah. and was able to pick it up. Yeah. So the here here is the point I guess I want to make about the defense. And you mentioned the opponent in front of you. Northwestern had one thing, right? They had one thing they were good at, and and I described it. Leading in the game on Friday, they're good at running between the tackles, not even running outside the tackles, not even a diverse running game. They didn't have speed options and guys that could get jet sweeps and a quarterback that can run. They had Hull and Porter on, you know, combo blocks going up the middle. And that offensive line coordinated, working well together as a unit. Penn State systematically dismantled it. Like there was no option for the for the Northwestern offense. And that's the part that I I think coming into this game, if we said we wanted to learn one thing about this team from the game is, can they stop a well-trained group and make them Mm -hmm. look bad? And Mm -hmm. they made them look silly. Like Peter Mm -hmm. Skaronsky was the, the headliner of that group. He had a terrible game because it was forced upon him by that group. And, and, and the questions about, can they hold up in the middle with the defensive tackles? Are they too small? A run first team, blah, blah. And then, like, this is this is the th- this is the conversation I had. And I, I put this tweet out yesterday. Like, PJ Mustver is back, was what I said. And what I mean is he had a game, a vintage game of PJ Mustver, eight tackles, disruptive. I don't know if he's 100% healthy, mm-hmm. but he had that game again. And the first reply was, Well, what about against Michigan, who have bigger? And it's like we keep moving the goalposts. Yeah, they were supposed to take care of business. They allowed 13 yards on the first five drives. Are you kidding me? Not 13 points, 13 yards. Let's stop and appreciate that before we ask about Michigan. And I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the, the conversation around the defense. I, t- I I can't disagree. I mean, I'm look, I'm I'm looking at these comments. I don't think you are right now, but Penn State, Penn State won a game that it was miserable to be at. I think it was probably miserable to participate in uh, by just shutting it down. I mean, it, it almost felt like an older brother with a, a younger, right? Like with the yeah. hand out and the wild swinging, just yeah. Uh, playing you know, somebody who's played never played Madden before and you win like 99 to 17 but but 
17 to seven is the same thing. It, it just, it, <laughs> right. The, it doesn't yeah. really matter. You don't, you're not really necessarily even paying attention. I don't think that Penn state did that necessarily, but you could, you could, yeah, there were some elements of that game in which the, the smart move, the patient, the confident move was to just let Northwestern make, the mistake and to just let Northwestern do what it was doing, which was not much of anything against the Penn state defense. Like it's always so funny to me because there's, there's such a throwback element of Penn state's fan base that just, that loves old time stuff and And they got it nostalgia and they got it. They got a game where it was just, Hey, let the defense win for you. Let the defense do it for you. And then Penn state does that. And James Franklin is, you know, the villain in this and Mike, (laughs) like it's just all the bad plays were, were James Franklin. Yeah. It's, it's (laughs) funny. It is what it is. I I had that same conversation post game. I had the same conversation Sunday morning on our message board thread. I had the same conversation with some people here. It's like, I, I, you know, the, you know, gladiator, are you not entertained? This is other than having a literal fullback with a neck roll. And they've got, by the way, Brent Strange is 250 pounds. So he's bigger than most fullbacks if, of at least, you know, my generation. I don't know if you had 270 pound fullbacks back in the day, but like he's a big dude and he plays fullback essentially. So oh, it, it's all there. You had, you had the whole thing you wanted. I just think that like, there's a certain group of people that it's like, well, it was better in the nineties because it was better in the nineties. But anyway, we're not anyway. talking about that. We're not talking about that. We got to get some of these questions. Yeah. Let's uh, uh, I, we, I don't really want to talk about this one. Do you I want to talk about is it. Influencing Mike Yersich's plays. Can no, you please. Thank you. Perfect. Do you, have, nope. do you have an elaboration? Yeah. Look, well, first of all, you can read his lips, okay? When you actually go back and watch the TV, you can you can see some of the things that he is saying. But he's also talked about it for the last nine years, which is very simply that Franklin makes uh, their directives in terms of overall strategy. If he yes. feels like they're getting away from the run, right? Which is a thing that happens sometimes with Mike Yersich, he will try to steer them back towards that if he thinks it and it's and it's in both directions it's it's offense and defense but uh there are suggestions that are made he he's you know he does things in terms of oh you have two plays to work with here right third downs where he says hey you got two plays you can do you can you can pick up a chunk of yardage without worrying about getting the first down because we're going to go for it on fourth down like those are the types of influences that he has Whereas I, I get the sense that people think James Franklin is saying, ah, Mike, you're out on this one. We're, we're going to yeah. do X spider, whatever that stupid John right. Gruden, right? Spider like, to Y banana. He's not yeah. doing that. He's not right. doing that. It's just, it's just painfully clear that that is not what the relationship and the dynamic <laughs> is. And guess what? Mike Yersich would not have come to Penn state if that was the case. Yeah. He's definitely yelling, get somebody out of the game with expletives uh, after after a fumble. I did read the, his lips that way. Here's, here's a question, getting back to uh, the defense. Is it good that we don't really hear the linebackers' names because of the D-line tackling, or are they making, or are they making plays, King and Elsden? Um, what has your, been your impression of that group, you know, last week, but their progression so far this season? Hmm. Uh, I don't know that I have an opinion, to be honest with you. And I guess that kind of speaks to the question, which is I don't there aren't a lot of memorable plays that I feel like they've been in on. I think that some of the conversation that existed before the season about how important Curtis Jacobs is specific to Manny Diaz's defense has yeah. borne fruit. It, it that has played out, not that the Mike linebacker is not an important position. I think that it is, but it's not as integral or, or as noticeable as certainly what Curtis Jacobs has done this season. Um, so no, I don't, I mean, I noticed when they got hurt, right. I noticed that Tyler right. Elton had a, had a shoulder and I'm not really quite sure what happened to Kobe King, but um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't think that either of them 
all of the splash plays are coming from other places. Put it that way. Yeah. So what, a lot of in a lot of ways, what this defense does is it sets up things for somebody else. So you're slanting your defensive tackles one way so that the offensive line will react to that. And then your linebackers can come free f- to shoot the gap. Right. Or you are blitzing your Mike linebacker to give your will linebacker a better clean run at the football. So there's a lot of selfless play up front. And you need to have guys that are willing to do that. Now, I'm sure Manny Diaz could design a play for a Mike linebacker and not for a Will. But Mm -hmm. the way that they set things up, it seems at least at this point, the Mike is making a lot of those run there, take the bullets, let somebody else get through. Um, I do want to say this because this is something that has bothered me for a little bit. And now that I've seen five games, I feel more confident saying this. There has been a long discussion about the best linebacker lineup right and and it's it has to be some combination of carter king and jacobs because king is clearly more athletic than tyler elston and while that may be true there it's not an incorrect statement we need to stop pretending like like kobe king is fast because he's not you know, if we're if we're labeling guys as fast or not fast and we're using Abdul Carter, Curtis Jacobs, those guys are fast. Kobe King is much closer of an athlete to Tyler Elsden. And I think that was pretty evident on a, on a couple of those plays where Evan Hall got free because you had a Mike linebacker chasing him from the middle of the field. They started in the same spot and they did not end up in the same spot. So this conversation, I, I think we need to add some context to it of knowing what Kobe King is. He's going to be a good linebacker, but he's he's Ellis, he's a much more closer to an Ellis Brooks than he is a Jason Gabinda, if that makes yeah. sense. And that's okay. Ellis Brooks had a ton of success at Penn right. State. It, it fits what Penn State wants to do. So continue, Professor. Yeah. I just So it, these these things to me are important because they, they provide the context and the nuance that are going to not matter to anyone who just wants to be angry about a linebacker giving up reception later when it's not Evan Hall in the rain for 10 yards and it's Travion Henderson for 25. Which so. is going to happen. I, I do think yeah. that there is a... a um, I don't want to use the wrong, like, I mean, a storm is coming to a certain extent, right? Ohio state will have more success. Like that was the the main thing that I said on Sunday in my notebook was, Hey, you got to get used to the idea. And, and this isn't a Penn state offense thing. This is a Penn state offense thing more than it is a Penn state defense thing. Penn yep. state's offense needs to be better. They need yep. to be more efficient. They need to score more points. They need to have more explosive plays because Guess what? Penn State's defense can be as good as it's been and still give up 27 points against some yep. of the teams that are coming on the schedule. So again, not trying to derail the conversation down the place that you don't want to take it. And I don't want to take it. Michigan, Ohio State, Minnesota, right. that's fine. But there just needs to be some sort of a realization that Penn State's defense is playing exceptionally well right now. It's only going to get better in terms of its understanding and instinctiveness of what Manny Diaz wants to do. Manny yep. Diaz is 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 the guy. He is exactly what Penn State had hoped he would be when they brought him in. He's he's instilled that and he's implemented that into that side of the ball. But <laughs> there are just there are just taller tasks coming than right. what they have faced so far. Yeah, and the same thing I said last week is the same thing I said about this and what you just said in a nutshell. And first off, I appreciate you letting me stand on my soapbox and yell about the defense being good because it it is important context that they're still going to be good later. Mm -hmm. The game script of the last two games was that the offense was frustrating and the defense had to do a lot of the heavy lifting and they had to be... All of those things. So when when Northwestern is and by Penn State's doing of freshman being freshman for a hot second and denied it a sudden getting a personal foul and then Abdul Carter getting a five yard uh, offsides call extending drives and Northwestern is going to get their 10th point of the game, maybe like for a field goal, maybe they get a touchdown and it's the fourth quarter. The reason you're upset about that is because the Penn State offense has not scored more than seven points in any frame so far, and they've been given the ball 
three times. Yep. And it's the same thing as what happened with the, the Central Michigan game, and that'll be the problem going forward. It is not the defense. Even if they give up points, as long as they're still generating turnovers totally. and they're giving you the opportunity at more possessions, they're doing their job. Yep. Um, but that brings me to something that you said post-game that I thought was incredibly insightful. Uh -oh. The last two games starting a trend. How do you feel about that? Given what we just said over 48 hours, because David did uh, tell me it is over 48 hours later. Yeah. How do you feel about your comment now? No, I think, I think that there are some reasons for, uh, but I, I mean, I'm going to say, yes, there, there should be some reasons for concern or caution in that, um, Certainly the explosiveness has not been there the past two games, I don't think. Uh, and, you know, but how much of that is the weather? How much of that is just, you know, slight not connecting situations? I, I, I thought that there were opportunities on Saturday that they just didn't hit, uh, whether that's Parker Washington screaming across the middle with five steps on his man and yep. Sean Clifford overthrowing him. Uh, I feel like that happened maybe twice. I thought that the pass, you and I maybe disagree on this just a little bit, but I thought the pass to Trey Wallace in the back of the end zone from Sean Clifford was fine. It should have been caught yeah. under different circumstances, right? Like if, if yeah. it's not raining, you would expect him to catch that ball. Trey Wallace um, makes those plays. That is what we've seen from him, right? Is every time we see him catch the football, it's over somebody's head and it's an impressive catch. And he didn't make yeah. that one. Yeah, I just, I just... <laughs> Just to go back just for a second, I just think that Penn State's defense is going to give up more yards. It's going to give up. It, it will start to give up some explosive play touchdowns, I think, uh, which has been a, a tremendous asset to them so far this season that they haven't. Um, but it's it, again, it's just about that opportunism is can they create interceptions at the, in timely moments? Can they uh, create fumbles? Because if yeah. Trevion Henderson goes for, right, Blake Corum goes for 150 yards, but has two turnovers, two fumbles that Penn State forces, you, you got to be able to do something with that. You got to be yeah. able to make the most of that. And I, I mean, I think that that's kind of where this is heading is, is Blake Corum going to have three touchdowns, 150 yards, and no turnovers? Or is he going to have 150 yards, a touchdown, and two turnovers? Because well, here, those will be dramatically different games yeah. if they do. Here's, here's another thing. Even if it isn't a turnover, what if they just force one three and out or totally. two? Yep. So this is, this is another part of the game from Saturday. Is Penn State forced, I think, the first four drives were three and outs. And five. Five drives, and one of them ended in an interception. You know, if they get one or two, and by the way, I think, you know, I, I need to do a deeper dive on Michigan. I've gotten a cursory look at them, and I wasn't I think they're impressed. good. I think they're good. I think they might be good. I was talking good? to some people this week. Yeah, some people good. this weekend. Good. Pretty Great good. or good? I don't know. Good. Really very, for Michigan standards, I think pretty good. I think Michigan okay. fans who see this team think, hey, they can do multiple things there's a versatility okay. to the offense that that will probably allow them to be more successful than they were uh last year offensively right and if that's Not the case that is a challenge but if uh, uh, this is what i was just going to lead into is last season against michigan they had a very good defense but penn state frustrated that offense for most of the day and mm -hmm. if manny diaz is able to do that and just get some three and outs the Penn State has to score points, and this is David brings us to a great position, a mm -hmm. uh, great transition here. By the way, David, donating to the channel. If you want to donate to the channel, super appreciate that. Anytime that you want to, um, somebody, Nate, David's somebody great. He, to... he he donated to Sean and my show last week, uh, and yeah. it was a bigger donation. So, Dave, many many thanks. Dave is Dave's a regular here, and I'm not trying to one up Dave here, but I just I had to tell you this story on air. Somebody tried to donate a hundred dollars to the channel yesterday, and kept donating a kept donating a dollar, and kept asking in the chat, "How do I donate a hundred? So he never figured it out, Nate. And I have to ask you this question before we move on: Is that malpractice on my part that I didn't go live until he figured it out? 
<laughs> or, or or at least give him your Venmo account. Right? Yeah. I, I've made the joke that uh, once again, somebody used the information from the show to, to hit big on a parlay or something. Uh, and it was just a little kickback. David says here, though, we'll get to this, the real thing happening right now. David says Titans and running game are much better than last year. So why isn't the offense better this year? It seems Clifford. Is it Clifford execution? No real wide receiver one. What do you think, Nate? Uh, is it anything on that list? Where I don't, is the breakdown? I don't agree. I don't agree that the offense isn't better. Okay. It wasn't better yesterday. It wasn't on better. The totality. You're saying this offense is better this year. I have no question that this offense is better this year. Uh, I, I think that Nick Singleton hits home runs. I think Catron Allen is a better running back than they had last year. Like you saying that the tight ends and running game are much better than last year means that the offense is better than it was last year. Sean Clifford yeah. is a, is more or less the same. He, he is the, the quarterback that he was through the first five games last year before he got hurt. Uh, yeah. he's probably the same as he was against Michigan. He didn't have bad games against Michigan and Ohio state last year. Just a reminder. Uh, he, he did have some clunkers. Uh, Arkansas yeah. was no good. Illinois was no good. We understand all of that. Uh, but I, I'm just saying that if, if to me, it continues to be the case that Penn state's fatal flaw last year was that they had no offensive versatility. There was yep. only one thing that they could do. It was Jahan Dotson, and they squeezed as much juice out of that as they possibly could. It took away other elements uh, that were easily taken away by other defenses. This year, and you you had this in our little rundown, but I want to hit that this point. Uh, when Nick Singleton isn't hitting, you, you've got Katron Allen. Yep. When you when uh, you, you know, Tyler Warren being hurt or Theo Johnson being hurt. You've got Brenton strange when Mitch Tinsley doesn't catch a pass. You've got Parker Washington. I, I just, I think that there is a serious conversation to be had about that third wide receiver. I, I, yeah. I think that you and I can both agree on that, that that is something that is a, a slow moving train going off the tracks for, for Penn state. Certainly but, hasn't gotten better. Yeah. Right. But, uh, you know, Sean Clifford is, is he continues to be the barometer player of when the pieces around him are going, he's going as well and is, and is fine in that role. Penn state just has many, many more options of how they can beat you, including again, when Northwestern knew exactly what was coming, what was happening, Penn state was still able to do for the most part, effectively the element of the game that it was cornered yep. into it yep. just had a problem with turning the ball over on Saturday. And I think it's also fair to say this performance, when we talk about, I wanted to learn about the defense. Can they, can they be way better? Can they be better than a decent offensive line, a decent run blocking offensive line? Yeah. Check for the offense. What I wanted to see in this game in particular was could they heat, hit the deep ball against the secondary that gave up explosive plays all the time because of the system and the coverages that they run? James Franklin, and I made the comparison during the game that this is very much like the Michigan State game last year. Mm -hmm. You are facing a terrible pass defense, and the elements are not going to let you throw the football with your quarterback. Could they, could, could they have thrown the football with a different quarterback? And, you know, somebody with maybe a stronger arm, bigger hand, whatever, whatever it is that makes them feel confident about throwing or not throwing the football. Maybe. Yeah. We've seen other quarterbacks perform in, the, in that weather. But we've also seen James Franklin consistently say the weather's bad. I don't want to turn the ball over. So we're going to run the football here. So mm -hmm. I couldn't learn what I wanted to learn about the offense from this particular game. So that is a frustration. And that's where I think yeah. going back to some of these comments, like totally, you know, and I don't think I don't think. David's wrong for wondering what the inconsistency issue has been over the last couple of weeks. And even going back to the first game of the season where they scored 35 points, but they came in bunches. Like they did mm. not come in a very easy way. Um, but it's, it's the rain to me there because it limited what the game plan was going to be coming into the game. 
if if <laughs> I, I again i'm i'm kind of monitoring some of the comments here uh I, I i think that there are extreme positions here that are being taken over something that is probably somewhere closer to the middle and that includes talking about michigan i think they are better than they were last year i don't think they were that good last year yeah. that's that's <laughs> that's the caveat is yeah that was a playoff yeah. team that wasn't that explosive offensively. So I yep. mean, to, to say that they're better than they were last year means, yeah, that offensively, I think that they are better. I think they probably have taken a step back. I think Penn State's kind of like Michigan last year at this point. Like one of the things I'm learning about this team is Blake Corum and Hassan Haskins were the, the offense last year, right? If yep. they couldn't hit big runs, they were kind of sunk. What does that sound like? What what, yeah. what what team does that sound like? And losing Keandre Lambert-Smith, your most consistent deep threat? early in the game, probably put a damp on damper on that too. So yeah. having that third dimension and Larry says that he thinks that the offense here is the same as last year. If you force JJ McCarthy to win the game, Penn state wins. I, that's the part I'm going to agree with mm -hmm. with terms and conditions apply that I, I need to see more. I need to do more film study. I was not impressed with McCarthy and his vision and his, sort of looked like he's peeing the pants in the pocket sort of thing, you know, when I watched him play football against UConn. But okay. that was a couple weeks ago. I was not fully engaged in actually watching the game. I was doing a couple other things. So I will tacitly agree with Larry here, but I need to make sure that I see more before I give a full T-Frank stamp of film approval. Yeah. The theme of this offense, though, is kind of what I've noticed out of the first month of the season. That Yes, if they have to, Sean Clifford can throw the football 50 times. You'll get the results you get. And I think a lot of that was <laughs> a lot of that was the the offense around him making plays. Bretton Strange making plays. Keandre Lambert Smith making plays. Um, but they need that explosive element to be a dynamic offense. And I don't think that that's anything that's, you know, earth shattering to say. But when it's gone, yeah. it's pretty noticeable. And I think it's also apparent that your 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 hopes lie with a freshman. And the last couple of weeks, Nick Singleton's played like a freshman. I think it's fair to say. So, what what is what's the trajectory from here? And how much growing do you think he can do in time for the next onslaught of games? I. I, I... I haven't seen anything out of him that suggests that he's not equipped to handle these things. Right. Right. Like it just, the makeup is all there. Trust, trust the, I'm going to say the science, uh, trust, trust the background here. Right. This kid has uh, been built to overcome these mishaps. And so I, I just, I think that the way that I saw him run on Saturday, it looked to me as though had he not fumbled the ball and stayed in the game and gotten more opportunities, one of those may have hit you. Yeah. You have, like, yeah. he would have finished with 175 yards. I think it's fair. I mean, are you kidding or not? Cause I would say maybe he could have, <laughs> I don't know. Like, no, just, I'm serious. He had 76 at halftime and they ran the ball 50 times. If he's in the game, I know that Catron Allen started like played in the second half, but yeah, yeah, he missed the entire third quarter and finished with 82. I think there were, there were, there was, you know, there was this conversation about how, Oh, he's going to sit for the rest of the game. And in my, of, uh, you know, on our message board and yeah. I, I'm sitting there and I'm like, they can't do that. They, they can't put him on the bench for the rest of the game. And I mean, they did put him on the bench until, you know, midway to late in the fourth quarter. And that's they ran out me. of spots on the bench is the problem. Everyone fumbled. They had to recycle rejected running backs. Like <laughs> I thought they're going to just go five wide <laughs> to me. To me, there's a little bit of stubbornness in that though, in that. I yeah, yeah. I understand what you're trying to do and send a message and ball secure. I get all of that for sure. But at the same time, when so much of your offense is predicated on that specific piece doing what he does, I, I don't understand. It, it feels to me as though you're hampering the rest of the offense 
uh, when you take that piece away, even yeah. though understandably there was very obviously some frustration there, uh, warranted frustration with turning the ball over when you're moving the ball. Three yeah. of those five turnovers were on Northwestern side of the field. They were moving the ball. They had opportunities that they probably would have turned into points had those turnovers not happened, but they did. So. Yep. And it's, it's, uh, the, I think it's a little, I don't know if this is fair or not, which is why I'm hesitating here, but I'll he tell also, you. he also fumbled a third time. It just wasn't called a fumble. That's so true too. At a certain point, I think James Franklin made the calculus of he might get us a touchdown, but he could give them a touchdown at this. Like it's 50, 50 at this point. And I think you're absolutely correct about everything about Nick Singleton. I think, you know, the maturity, what he's shown to be in this moment to begin with. But we're seeing, I just think, the the realities of youth, right? Yeah. And he is he is making up for mistakes and correcting them on the fly. I see things of he bounces something he shouldn't have. The next play, he sticks his foot in the ground and gets nine yards running through a linebacker. So the the growth is happening in real time. It's just the question of does the growth come at a moment where you need it. And that's going to be obviously the next three games. They, they're absolutely going to need him to be playing like a veteran yeah. or at least hitting. You know what? I'll take that. Back. I yeah. I don't think, I don't think he needs to play like a veteran. I think he no, needs to play right. like, I think he needs to play like a home run hitter. That's yeah. it. <laughs> is, is, so, and, and, and guess what? I, you know, I understand some of the hesitation with this, but look, that's how you win. That's yeah. how you win is, is him doing that. If he does it, then you win. And if he doesn't, and the argument is, oh, well, Penn State doesn't have another route to do that against the best competition. So be it. it yeah. You lose that game that you're, you, you're not enough. <laughs> like you don't have enough offensively to be able to do that. And, and I think that there's probably an argument to be made that they don't have enough yeah. there is no insurance policy in terms of having two nick singletons there is no saquon barkley on the bench yeah. but they can be a are there options to being a productive somewhat efficient offense without nick singleton hitting home runs sure yep. but yeah this is this is how it's going to have to be done for them to get where they want to go against the type of teams that they're about to face I was reading something in the off season and it was about comparative, you know, comparing uh, and what's comparing to what's reasonable and comparing to the objective perfection, right? Mm -hmm. The idea of comparing something to what is the best possible version. And I think that's mm -hmm. where a lot of us, and I'm guilty of this as I literally did it on the channel here is what's the best possible version of this offense. Mm -hmm. What is the, what is the path where they have enough explosiveness around it that everything else works and the key cog is Nick Singleton. Like he cannot, he can't have an off day. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's probably unfair. That is not probably, that is unfair. Kent says, yeah, offense and defense is cool, but Barney Amore for Heisman. That dude has been awesome so far. And Nate, you called that. However, we don't, once again, I'm going to drive right by punters because <laughs> I promised Several people we would talk about Sean Clifford, and we've talked around Sean Clifford. We've talked let's about talk all the things, yeah. But 20 passes, Nate, 20 mm -hmm. of them, mm -hmm. and already in that game, it was time for Drew Aller. Mm -hmm. So I think we're gonna fall on opposite sides here. I will let you go first and state your opinion of how Sean Clifford, Clifford played on Saturday. I thought he was fine given the circumstances in the first half i thought he didn't play very well in the second half i thought he was impacted somewhat by northwestern moving and maybe i'm misremembering this so correct me if i am but it felt like northwestern just kept getting closer to the line of scrimmage defensively is that yeah. okay yeah so they were they were cheating up most of the game because they weren't throwing the football they, they right. just didn't throw the football so why would you why would you keep four deep so that so that impacted him. He didn't hit when he needed to hit. There were opportunities. It was it was a combination of things. It it just it's always the same conversation, right? Is that I think that the hate that he gets is too far in one direction. 
I don't really hear many people defending him and pounding their chests for like Sean Clifford devotion. I, I don't see that out right. there. And I, and I understand why that is, but I think that it's probably somewhere closer to the middle in terms of where his actual performances are, because yes, yeah. he has made mistakes. He has done things that, you know, certainly you, you don't want to have happen. He he should have had more interceptions than he did on Saturday. The one went straight through number nine's hands. I mean, that, yep. it could have been a, a pick, uh, you know, whenever that was second quarter. Yep. Uh, so, so was it good? No. Uh, does he need to probably run more? Yes. Uh, is like, I, I, my issue is the certainty of Drew Aller being, the alternative, right? The alter, like, as, like as this, I, I don't understand the certainty. That's that is my my hang up in all of this. Is I think that you, this is a converse. Like, I mean, how much time do we have? You know what Sean Clifford's ceiling is. You know yeah. that the floor is lifted. I don't know what Drew Aller is. I think that he's really, really good. I think that he has a lot more to learn, and that as this process goes along, he will get there. But yeah. I, I, I just, I just haven't seen enough to know. I'm not, I'm not arguing for or against. I just, I don't know. Yeah. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, we will get to my thoughts here in just one second, but first... Do you have a problem sleeping? Do you have issues with anxiety or uh, or or pain? If you do, I've got some people that can help you out. And I know this because they've helped me out with several of those things. And that's our friends at Rogue Shop. Rogue Shop is a completely natural, holistic way to treat a lot of common ailments in modern America and modern medicine. I am staring at two 27-inch screens down a camera barrel with three lights around me. I am overstimulated. It is 848 at night, and I'm going to have to go to bed in like an hour and a half. I don't do well in these environments, but what happens is I have some help, and that is the uh, the CBD gummies over at Rogue Shop. You take the appropriate amount, and then you fall asleep, and you stay asleep. You feel rested. You get up, and you can, you're able to actually function the next day, so you can work another 12 hours. So you can go in and put in another long day at work. If uh, you want to try all of these things, use the promo code BWI for 10% off at Rogue Shop. That's RogueShop.com, R-O-G-U-E, shop.com. Um, they also have tinctures. I talk a lot about the, the gummies because those are what I use for sleep medication. But the tinctures take 30 minutes uh, to one hour to effect. They last the same amount of time as the gummies, and they are a full-body uh, they affect the full body. So uh, inflammation, if you have chronic inflammation, which is the leading cause of disease, is just chronic inflammation. These can help you out, can help change your life. So check it out. Promo code BWI for 10% off at rogueshop.com. Okay. And if you're somebody who's very anxious and angsty about Sean Clifford, then you might you might want to try that out. <laughs> I'm not either of those things. What do you got for me, T. Frank? Let's go. So he was he was a passenger last week, or last mm -hmm. Saturday. Like mm -hmm. he threw the ball 20 times. They ran the ball 31 times in the second half. So his decision making pre-snap, that is one thing. But in terms of his play after the snap, he went three for ten. So the damage is limited, but he went three for ten. Mm -hmm. And they weren't particularly pretty. And they are consistent problems that have plagued him throughout his career. So if you're tired of watching those things and you would say, okay, even if Drew Aller isn't Sean Clifford, at least we know we're not going to get a hop pass in the third quarter where he's throwing midair. And, and I understand that particular part of it because there are certain things he's just not capable of doing. We talk, you and I talk about the third wide receiver. Mitchell Tinsley was open mm -hmm. for a 47-yard pass at a minimum. He had a step and a half on the DB, and the ball went five yards over his head. Mm -hmm. 
So the explosiveness of the offense, we're talking about where what's up with Keandre Lambert Smith. That is true, and I'm not trying to take away from that, but it's not like Parker Washington uh, didn't get open and Mitchell Tinsley didn't get open, and those plays weren't there to be made in a game where your defense, going back to that, your defense needs something. Give mm-hmm. them something. And it just wasn't there. And it's just, it's, I'm very frustrated watching it <laughs> because it's like, <laughs> these are, these are not hard things to, to see yep. in a clean pocket. If you've got pressure from your left, every, and I'm not saying I can do this. And that's, that's the all, that's always the problem is like, well, you can't do it. You never played. It's like, yeah, but thousands of other quarterbacks have played and hundreds of them have sidestepped to the right as they always do in practice, as they always do in drills. And then they throw that ball from a, from an even platform. When you come off your first read, don't immediately tuck and run from a clean pocket. Just turn and look at the backside progression. These are this is, this is the conversation. These are not sixth year quarterback problems. He's not trying to see if like they have an inverted cloud three and knowing where the safeties are that they've rolled down into a look he's never seen before. It's basic stuff. Yeah. So, you know, if Nick Singleton's going to freshman and he has a bad day, Abdul Carter's going to freshman and he has a bad day and drew Aller freshman's and he has a bad day. You know, that's the risk that you're going with. You can't have your quarterback have a bad day freshmaning on the field, Yeah. but I'm seeing a lot of freshmaning, I guess is it feels like. Did he do that against Auburn? He didn't do much against Auburn. And no, he did not. Uh, he had the same amount of pressures and went two for three instead of one for five. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I think that there are a lot of quite, I don't think it's simple. Realistically. No. I think that he tends to revert to bad habits when things I, I don't even know if it's things aren't going his way I, I like I, what's the what's in your opinion what is the consistency for when that happens uh what's the what's the situation when he does that or is it just all the time is it just is it just that that's who he is and that's those are the things that he does and he never does the alternative because no it doesn't seem to me as though that's true so okay this is and part of this is part of this is I understand him playing. I understand he's operating the offense better and understands at a deeper level than I understand the offense. And and you know, being the manager of that group of people. So that is something that I'm completely ignoring. And I that is part of this calculus. But I guess yeah. I'm just expressing the frustration that people have, mm-hmm. and I understand it completely. Um this is there is no consistency. There is no, because con- you're right. There are times he sidesteps in the pocket and he throws mm-hmm. the ball correctly. Like I just described. And yep. usually it's when he has an Avenue to, to, you know, a, th- a running lane and he's able to get through the pocket, but I couldn't go. I could not sit here and tell you X happens. And then he does this other than he gets pressure in his face and that's bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something he does not recover from, but in a clean pocket, he does it too. And mm-hmm. it just seems to be that when things compound, I guess that's the thing when things compound and there's more than one issue that he has to mm-hmm. deal with at a time. That's when he seems to struggle the mm-hmm. rain um, pressure running game, not running game. Yeah. Right. But there have been other games where he played, you know, reasonably well, Iowa, even the Purdue game at the end, the two minute drive that, you know, saved them from mm-hmm. all the things we just described. So, I can't really give you the whole conversation because I would have to replay everything. Like you have got to go through and categorize it. Cause it's so scattershot. Uh, let's see what we have here. Steven says, Neither here, I got, I got the question for you. Uh, okay. What's the question? Thanks Steven for Kent. Uh, Will Levis is now a round one draft name being tossed around. Kentucky was a system that worked for him. Does the Penn state system work for cliff? Or would he have been a better quarterback elsewhere like Levis is at Kentucky? No, no, Uh, because the things that so here's the thing. Sean Clifford is a college quarterback, so he has college quarterback issues. Bo Nix is the same thing. Um, Mm -hmm. 
Um, who's the kid from South Graham Mertz, the kid from South Carolina. That was a hot shot at one point. That was a five-star recruit. If, if, if the, if, if you don't handle pressure, you don't handle pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's one thing. And also, and I was trying to pull up Will Levis's stats right now. Will Levis is not playing well this year. Will mm-hmm. Levis played well last year, but he is a boomer bust prospect that throws the ball well deep, but also has accuracy issues and can be erratic himself. So I, I'm not saying he's not better than Sean Clifford, because I do think he is better than Sean Clifford. But if we're going to re-adjudicate all this stuff, <laughs> nobody <laughs> knew that he was going to be that good. Mm-hmm. Nobody. I mean, Will Levis and his mom knew that he was going to be that good, but that he showed very few signs of that at Penn State. Um, so it, the the conversation, if Will Levis was magically the starting quarterback for Penn State with Nick Singleton, would they be a great team? Yes, they would be a great team. Would he throw interceptions that make you furious at him? Yes. I don't know how I don't know how to square that for you any other way in, in terms of Will Levis. Well, and he's a first round pick because he's got the skills. I right? think that I think that the question is also would Sean Clifford be a better quarterback at Wisconsin or whatever or Kentucky? I, I like I can't. They're I running. No they're running that, that offense this year. They are Wisconsin this year. They run the ball to set up the pass. They have play action passes. They throw in RPOs and read options. He's not asked to run the ball a terrible amount of times. Like they're not even running a ton of read options where teams are are giving him the green light all the time. Um, I you know I think he'd be the same guy in that offense that he is here. Because here's the thing: when it's third and seven, you've got to throw the football. You it doesn't matter. You're never going to be in a perfect situation where your offense is so good that you are going to avoid every third and seven. And I said this a couple weeks ago. I feel like Sean Clifford sets up third and seven could be the biography of my, my time covering Penn state. Cause it's been the entirety of it. It feels like. So I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I got, I have nothing for you there. I, I, I'll be very interested to see how he plays at Michigan. Cause I think it he, will be considerably better than it was the past two weeks. Yes. I, it, it very well but, could be. I do also think that which never gets credit because they lose these games or have lost these games more than they've won them in recent years. But Sean Clifford is a little bit of a gamer, right? Like he, I I think he actually shows up better in a lot of instances than he's given credit for against better teams. They just happen to lose those games in recent memory because guess what? Auburn was the best game of his life last year. Uh, yeah. Right. Ohio state wasn't far off outside of the, the strip sack. Yeah. He was there's lights a perfect, out that game. There's a perfect example of a game. Thank you. There's a perfect example of a game where he managed pressure so much better that he was able to uh, command the pocket better read the defense. He threw with anticipation in that game. He threw down the field in between, in between defenders and was moving the offense last year. I was rooting for him to turn the corner, by the way, I came on here after I think it was the Auburn game. And I said, we now have the Villanova game and the Auburn game. And I know it's Villanova, but like legitimate quarterbacking from Sean Clifford, where he has put it together. Multiple games are throwing good deep balls and being on point but he just can't ever seem to turn that corner. And at this point, like, uh, you know, it, it's, it's strap in because that's going to be what it's going to be for the next two months. Um, but that's going to be and it for we'll today. See, yeah. We'll see. We'll, we'll see where that takes them. I, I, I don't know. I'm not put, I'm not putting a ceiling on this group because I, I do think that they have uh, more avenues to winning than they did last year. And I thought yeah. that they were competitive throughout last year and really have you know in some ways a a similar identity but not because the defense is more opportunistic than it was last year and the offense while not consistent in hitting home runs has the ability to do so yeah they just they they do need to get a a field stretching third receiver that has to happen because keandre lambert smith does not look like he'll be back to me in yeah weeks but yeah that that didn't look good um, you know what, Nate, this is what happens when you speak through emotion. I don't feel like I nailed that Sean Clifford conversation because there's so much more interesting nuance to it. There's so much more to it than that, but I think you summed it up great for us there. And I appreciate you saving it there at the last possible second. 
So kudos to you for keeping keeping us uh, at our 17 to 7. Can, can I, Kent just paid to have me say this. Uh, Sean Clifford, he, Sean Clifford continues to be like otherworldly in letting this stuff slide off of him. He is, I think that he is deeply aware of what the perception is at this point. And he, like, you could not ask for a better leader in terms of just drowning it out, just not letting it dictate who he is as a person or what his performances are. And that's, that's, you know, to a certain extent you have to, you have to respect that. I, I respect the heck out of it. Um, yeah. So we'll see. Certainly, certainly skills that I think all of us could use. And, uh, you know, someday I'll be paying <laughs> yeah, Sean yeah. Clifford on a seminar for, for leadership and how to not hear people, uh, while while we read while we we read the comments in youtube telling us how horrible we are people hate my background it's a great background it's a nice shiplap wall and it's real go all right we'll be back tomorrow with the recruiting show on the bwi daily agent thank you to everyone who uh, participated we had a great conversation nate as always i love talking football with you i love laughing on this show so much i sound like an old lady room yeah, I just love laughing so much, but this is genuinely the most entertaining hour of my time in the week, and uh, I appreciate you coming on and doing it with me. Thanks so much for having me, buddy. That'll do it for today. We'll be back tomorrow. It's the bye week, so we'll be getting into a lot of interesting stuff. Stay tuned and subscribe. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed it's time to go dancing on america's number one sports book right now new customers get 200 dollars in bonus bets if your first five dollar bet wins on fanduel that's 200 bucks to use on point spreads money lines you can even pick who's going to win it all just visit fanduel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.